This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name is Mark and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First, we'll talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and how AA can help. And we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guests to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other and that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There is no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of the disease... An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is helpless, is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you are an alcoholic, you're at the beginning of a long road that leads to three places, prisons, institutions or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it is an allergy of the body coupled with the obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having that first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand never enough. And yet because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up that first drink. This makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubt of whether they could have fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. The program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught, taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who has just joined us, you are listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. We're just about to interview an AA member who is going to share their experience with alcoholism. So let's meet our guest. Would you like to introduce yourself and give us a quick sketch of who you are, age, how long you've been sober and occupation? 
Kia ora everyone, I'm Dice, I'm an alcoholic. Um, my sobriety date is the 3rd of June 2008. Um, I came to Alcoholics Anonymous um, because I had nowhere else to go. Um, I've been brought up with alcoholics, so both my parents were alcoholics. Um, and I got introduced to AA through a treatment centre. Great. Would you like to tell us about your family and your childhood? Um, so it's a dysfunctional family. As I said before, my mum's an alcoholic and mental illness and my father was an alcoholic. So there was lots of dysfunction, um, lots of fighting, and there's also a lot of trauma involved in that too. Mm. Could you tell us when you started drinking and how that progressed? I think I first had my first drink in my mother's womb. Um, I can remember when I was five years old, my uncle owned a pub um, in London and I was always caught drinking the beer out of the drip trays. Um and then I started pinching my mum's brandy when I was eight out of the drinking cabinet. And I think by the time I was 13, I was heavily into, into drinking at school and using nicotine. Can you uh, tell us about why you drank and what it did for you? Um, it took me out of me. I couldn't manage it. I had a younger brother, so I had to look a lot after my brother because my mum was um, heavily drinking or trying to take a life. So... Um, she was always in mental institutions, so a lot of the time it was looking after my brother and I think it was just out of boredom. Um, I just wanted the merry-go-round to stop, I guess, and it was just easier not to feel uncomfortable by drinking the brandy. And then by the time I got in with my peers, it was just I fitted in when I drank. Yeah. Mm. And how did you drink? Did you drink socially or in isolation? Um, I think I did a bit of both, really. I never really thought I had a problem with my drinking. Everybody else did. Um, so I just drank. It was just, just there. Did yeah. you ever think you had a problem with drinking and did you ever um, try to stop? It wasn't until I tried to stop that I realised I had a problem with my drinking and that was in my thirties. You know, this disease has taken many things off me and brought me to my knees many times. If it wasn't the alcohol, it was mind alterating substances. So, um, it wasn't until I was 38 that I really wanted to, wanted to stop and realised I couldn't. Um, like I said before, it, it brought me to my knees and this time I just couldn't get back up. Yeah. Mm. What made you realise you needed help? Um, because it was the same patterns continuously and I had my son taken away from me and that's when it really, really hurt. So I tried to take my life and I, I've done that many times over my life and this time I needed succeeded and it was very scary. So I, I've, through the crisis team I ended up in a in a woman's respite and I, I think I was locked away from that from for about eight weeks and from there I went into treatment. I needed to be put into a bubble um, because I just not could live with me. Yeah. Can you describe some more about your decline emotionally, spiritually, physically and in, in your well-being through drinking? I think from a very young age I've always had a spiritual connection. I've been brought up with a lot of gypsies so there there is a lot of... Um, I don't know what's the word. My nan used to ring a lot, read a lot of tea leaves. We um, we lived in caravans, and I think I, I was always scared by the voices that I heard. So it wasn't until I was brought to my knees and wanted stuff to change that, you know, I knew I needed to do something different. And I just I I was just a doing. I wasn't a being. You know, I just continually lived from the head up. Really, um, I didn't want to feel because when I felt, it was too painful, and the drink just took all that away. Yeah. Can you describe a rock bottom? I think I've had many rock bottoms in um, in my drinking. Um, 
I think my last one was that I nearly succeeded in taking my life. But I've also had rock bottoms in sobriety too. And the only thing that's really kept me and held me is the love from the fellowship, really. Yeah. Do you want to describe to us how you found yourself to your first meeting? I didn't want to be there. <laughs> didn't want to be there. didn't like the people, but I had nowhere else to go. So I had no choice, really. I think my first meeting... Um, was out west in Auckland and and that was through the treatment centre. It's ironic really because I had a really good friend that um, got done for drink driving and she killed her fiancé and she had to go to Alcoholics Anonymous and I just took the mickey out of that because, you know, an alcoholic to me was a person with a brown paper bag eating food out of a bin Um, and it's ironic, you know, I I don't see that woman anymore and here I am in Alcoholics Anonymous. But my first meeting, a guy came up to me and... I always remember him saying to me, you know, it's not why we do this meeting, it's how. And if you want to know how, you need to be honest, open and willing. And that's always stuck with me. And he he was a guy in his 70s. I think he must have had about 25, 30 years sober. And um, I always heard his voice whenever I needed to struggle and, and keep on. And I remember being... <clears throat> coming back from a meeting and, and being in this treatment centre and lying on the ground. It was by the water and lying on the ground, just basically said, I'm willing to go to any lengths. And I remember seeing three shooting stars. So whenever I'm in a rock bottom, I always think of those three shooting stars. Yeah. Can you tell us some um, how AA members treated you in meetings and how it made you feel? The women just loved me back into recovery, really. Just the love that I couldn't give to myself actually came from them. I had a really, um, I got myself a sponsor and got myself a home group. And, you know, I was told to take the cotton wool out my ears and put it in my mouth. Um, I, she wouldn't, she suggested that I didn't share for the first nine months. So if I was asked to share, I just needed to show my gratitude, um, be grateful for my clean time and leave it at that because I'd got nothing to share because I hadn't, I hadn't built up that experience of what it was like not to drink. Because it's all, for me, it's, it's never been about the drink. It's about me. And when I put that drink down, I was very angry. Yeah, so I didn't trust myself what came out of my mouth, really, which was a good lesson for me. Yeah, I had to suit up, show up and shut up, basically. Yeah. Can you tell us how you've managed to stay sober? what you've done to ensure your recovery? Um, I, in my early years, my first two years, I didn't go to work. Um, I went to three to four meetings a week. Um, I worked in doing my steps when I got out of treatment. Um, and today the reason I'm sober is because I still maintain meetings and I have sponsees that keep me sober. Um, I maintain um, my journey through steps 10, 11 and 12. Um, I do a lot of writing. Um you know, it's not easy. It's never been easy on some days, but, you know, it's my worst day in sobriety is like being my best day in, in active drinking. So, you know, the gratitude that I have today that I don't need to pick up. I know what tools I've got in my box. Yeah, and I think it's step one, you know, the powerlessness when I recognise powerlessness and how my emotions can become unmanageable. I just need to open my mouth and talk to another alcoholic. Can you tell us a bit more about being a sponsor and what it's like having sponsees? What that? Um, so um, when I first did my my steps the first time around, my sponsor <laughs> um, suggested that I go out and look for sponsees, and um, you know I've still got one today that's um, just coming up to eleven years sober, um, and I've since then I've picked up another two, um, and I've had them for over three or four years, right from the beginning. 
So a lot of it is it, I see myself through them and it also reminds me of where I came from and where I am now and I can only share my experience, strength and hope. So I can only give what was so freely given to me and, you know, I think a lot of them now we all get together on, on Zoom meetings and we do steps 10, 11 and 12 together. So we pull each other in together. Um, so when someone's 11 years sober or someone's like 15 years sober, they've also been three years sober. So you can always share their experience, strength and hope. And a lot of it is living about those principles behind each step. So, you know, step four for me was a lot of courage. So, you know, we tend to do a lot of mini step fours as well together, but we all share that experience and, and it gives that women empowerment through that. And that was so given to me, you know, isn't. It was just about staying stop one day at a time. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit more about the mini step four? So the mini step four in a, in a step 10, in a step 10, I st- always still look at those resentments or those fears or how I can, you know, sexually act out in some kinds of ways as well. So it enables me to actually see where my defaults of character are and how they play out. And then I look behind that and what's underneath that. And then we all share that together. Um, and a lot of it for me is all around justified anger. Um, a lot of it for other women is all about the hurt. So a lot of them is the anger and people don't recognize their anger sometimes. So that really comes up in that step four. And then you practice that principle behind that, which is a lot of courage. And when we look at six and seven, which for me, those are the like the hidden steps of the steps. And it really enables you to actually look what defenses I'm acting out on instead of recognizing what's it attached to or what resent Resentment's old anger, so what's that resentment to and who's it to and maybe we need to do some work around that too. Mm. That's my answer. Mm. Yeah. Can you tell us about difficulties you've had in AA? Oh, I've had lots of difficulties. Mm. I think it's at you certain... Have to ma- you have yeah, you managed to Yeah, I think it's at certain years when, you, when you're coming closer to a clean time. I think a lot of it is just keep telling on myself and keep sharing and keep talking about the difficulties and struggles that I have and a lot of it is, is, is my thinking because I get a lot of stinking thinking. Um, and I know to pick up the phone without picking up a drink. I know to do a lot of writing around that. I know to, what to be aware of. Step 10 shows me that. Um, as I said before, it's never been about that drink. So the more connection I have with a higher power and the God of my understanding, um, and I tend to work a lot of grace over um, drama, which is my God, all good orderly direction. You know, in the beginning, it was all about a group of drunks, you know, because when I'm in a meeting, that collective power is just so empowering, I guess, in some kind of way. And I think the big book showed me, you know, through every man, woman and child, there's a fundamental idea of God. So, you know, when I set journey, um, doing the steps and what I realised that, you know, there's a God within and it's she's my goddess and... You know, I, I connect to that every day. And when I don't, I feel it. Yeah, it's like my head brain to my heart brain to my gut brain. You know, it's that spiritual fitness. Yeah. How has service helped you in recovery? Um, by giving back, by giving so freely what was given to me. So, you know, it's connection because the opposite of addiction mm-hmm. is connection. So I continuously keep connecting with others. Um, and I know when I walk out of a meeting, I feel better than I when I did when I walked in. And knowing that other people experience it, it's not me on my own because I know my disease wants to isolate me no matter what. It's like the diseased, you know, it's just that separation where today I can be at ease with my disease. But it takes steps to do that one day at a time. Mm. 
Can you tell us uh, how you describe yourself today and your life today, how you feel? Just free, just me. I never knew what me was or who am I, you know, and it wasn't until I realised that I, when I took the drink out of, out of the way, I was irritable, restless and discontent. So, you know, I can still go to that with the certain steps that I have to do or certain principles that I have to live. And, you know, I think there's a principle behind each step. So, you know, it's all about per- perseverance. It's about courage. It's about how to hire. It's about just being connected to people, places and things. I've got I've got a different life today, yeah, and I'm happy with who I am. You know? mm. Can you describe to us how your life's changed externally, like relationships or employment or...? I've changed a whole career while I've been in sober. I've studied. I've got myself a Bachelor's of Addictions. Um, I've got criminal psychology. Um, I was a kid that got expelled from school. I set the school on fire. I stabbed as a teacher. Um... I've been diagnosed with ADHD, um, yes, and I found all this out in sobriety. So it's given me something to strive for and a goal. Yeah, so my life, I never got my life back, I got a new life. Yeah, got lots of joy in my life today. Thank you. And how are your relationships with friends and family and loved ones changed? Um, I don't have family in um, New Zealand, they're all in England, and the disease is rife in my family, so... Um, I have a, a 20 year old son and I'm very lucky because he, he's, if I can so call normal, um, but I suppose, you know, he's been through a lot and where he is today is quite, it amazes me really. Yeah. And I'm in a relationship of 13 years with a recovering alcoholic too. So, um, so I do a lot of Al-Anon or adult children of alcoholics too. So my world is recovery. It's not all of me but it's a part of me, yeah. you have any goals for the future? I've got lots of plans. Um, I don't know, I just take one day as a, as a time as, as it is. Um, I'm looking at most probably travel next year, but, you know, the biggest thing I've done is moved from Auckland to Christchurch and, and got myself into a management role. So, you know, that was really... And I know that was God working in my life because I was planning to go to Australia and I ended up in Christchurch, so... Mm. You know, I can have the plan, but, you know, God's always got my back and he's always got different avenues for me, I guess. Mm. A is described as a spiritual program, not a religious program. Can you tell us uh, or what is describe what spirituality means for you? Right from the beginning, I always remember hearing someone talk about religions for the people that don't want to be to hell and spirituality for the people that have been to hell. So I, I always keep that in the back, but I think a lot of it, you know, my inner being has always been like a cell of a windmill and those cells have always been broken and torn and got holes in them and spirituality has helped me fill them up and, and heal those parts. And, you know, it's about I live in my being today. I'm not a doing and that's part of my spirit and I'm just a, you know, I'm a spiritual being in a physical form. So spirituality to me is all about connection to self. Mm. Great. What would you suggest for listeners who feel they may have a drinking problem? Um, get yourself some help. Go to Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, ring the 0800 number. Um, Recognise that, you know, you don't have to drink if you don't want to. Um, get yourself a sponsor. Get a home group. And just connect into the outer hire of the fellowship. Yeah. And what questions could someone ask themselves to establish whether they've got a problem? What happens after the first drink? Is my life unmanageable? 
Do I feel powerless when I've had a drink? Um, do I plan to have a drink and then just just try and do something different, but it never ends up like that? Yeah. And where can someone go? What are some of the things someone could do to get help? Um, 0800 number, we've got line. It's advertised in the paper. Um, if you look online, you can look under Alcoholics Anonymous and you'll find a meeting there and just go and listen. Yeah. Thank you so much for um, coming on the show today and sharing your story. For our listeners, if you have related to anything you've heard or would like to, uh, some more information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look up us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear from more AA members sharing their experiences. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30pm on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. This brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business. But if you want to stop, we can help. You don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with a serenity prayer as we do so in every AA meeting. God, God grant, grant me the serenity, serenity to, to accept, accept the, the things, things I cannot, I cannot change, change, courage to change, change the things, things I, I can, can and, and wisdom, wisdom to know, the, to know difference. the difference. You have been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9.